seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Alright, good day, tokens and tokens And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, April 5th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world So glad you could join us today On what is turning out to be a pretty decent day In the Pacific Northwest We are here High atop one of these uh, condo towers On the south waterfront And looking out over the eastern half Of Portland, Oregon And multiple green shades of trees out there it's just a beautiful day with the mountains in the background mount hoods out there somewhere obscured by clouds and we are here looking eastward to the rest of the united states where marijuana is fighting to regain its status as the most important crop i should say cannabis we're talking about the plant cannabis is the plant marijuana is the dried stuff that you smoke from the plant we got we strive to be accurate here at the rust belleville show where cannabis is striving to be free across all of the United States. And we are pushing this wave of freedom eastward. And we've got plenty of stories to tell you today about that. Our guest today coming up in the activist agenda is Chris Thompson from National Normal. He's going to be telling us all about the normal primary election membership drive, trying to get more interest for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Get your membership in today and make a difference. I mean, this is how we spread the gospel, if you will, of cannabis legalization is we need to support our local organizations and our national organizations that are fighting so hard to bring this message eastward across the United States. And I tell you, I travel a lot. I'll be traveling a whole lot this year, uh, 40,000 air miles in the first six months alone. And it's a blessing to be where I'm at right now in Portland, Oregon, where I am legal. When I walk down the street, if I smell like weed, it's no big deal. If there's a little bit of weed in my pocket that I forgot or that I remembered, it's no big deal. And when I travel eastward and I'm in Texas or Georgia or Virginia, you can feel it. It's a palpable feeling. Even Arizona, a feeling of being a criminal once again. And I want to end that feeling for everyone who's listening to my voice. And together we'll be able to do this. So we're going to bring you Chris Thompson from Normal today. We're also going to bring you our cannabis radio news. In the headlines today, we look to our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where our federal legislators are so far behind where the people are on this issue. We've got two stories coming from Washington, D.C. to tell you all about that will uh, make that uh, quite obvious to you. Also, we follow that up with two stories from Illinois, where the lawmakers in Illinois are kind of going the opposite direction on medical marijuana as some of the legal states are going on recreational marijuana. And uh, we've got stories on decriminalization, one from Illinois and another one from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we actually broke the news of this uh, with our guest, uh, Patrick Nightingale from Pittsburgh Normal 
a while back on the show, but uh, it's finally hitting the headlines, so we'll bring it to you today, how Pittsburgh is not really decriminalizing, but doing as close to decrim as they possibly can. We'll get into that, plus other stories coming up on the Russ Belville Show today, and then we'll take it into Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, where we'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. Coming up this hour, we'll get behind the headlines with Whoopi Goldberg, and she's joining up with some of our friends like Rick Cusick, formerly of High Times, on her products to relieve menstrual cramps and pain for women. And Vox.com says there's no science behind that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Mind the headlines. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, April 5th, 2016. 
The Washington, D.C. Council today again reversed its position on a law banning the consumption of marijuana anywhere outside a private home, even though it is legal for adults to use and possess up to two ounces of marijuana in the district. By voting 7-6 to six today in favor of B21-107, which would make the social use ban permanent, the council ignored its own prior decision to make the ban temporary and set up a task force to study the issue. The task force, which the council voted to create on February 2nd, was intended to study how D.C. could move forward to end the ban and allow marijuana consumption in private venues. Although that bill will not officially become law until April 29th, following congressional review, steps have already been taken by the mayor and the council to set up the task force. This is the second unusual reversal by the council. Earlier this year, the council voted to let the ban expire, but then reopened the vote and reversed itself after receiving pressure from the mayor. There will be one more vote on the social consumption ban before it is finalized. Rather than move forward with the Carers Act that would assist the states with 21st century marijuana legalization, the Senate held a hearing today to revive old 20th century reefer madness The hearing of the Senate caucus on international narcotics control was convened by longtime drug warriors, Senators Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa, and Dianne Feinstein, Democrat of California, to investigate whether the U.S. Justice Department has been lax in enforcing international drug control treaties with respect to the four U.S. states that have legalized cannabis. The D.C.-based Drug Policy Alliance called the hearings a one-sided prohibitionist party, featuring testimony from an advisory member of the anti-legalization group Project SAM and Nebraska's attorney general who failed to stop Colorado's legalization at the U.S. Supreme Court. Senator Grassley said, quote, our country's in the middle of an epidemic of addiction focused on heroin and prescription opioids, adding, if the Obama administration is serious about addressing this epidemic, it should stop burying its head in the sand about what's happening to its enforcement priorities on recreational marijuana, end quote. Illinois lawmakers rejected a measure that would have required medical marijuana products to carry warning labels about possible side effects. Democrats who opposed the bill Monday argued the labels are unnecessary because doctors already give patients a briefing on what to expect from marijuana before prescribing it. The House Substance Abuse Special Committee rejected the measure on a 5-3 to vote with only Republicans voting in favor. The bill's sponsor, Republican Representative Dwight Kay, argued that people who are not medical marijuana users but may come in contact with it should be aware of possible side effects like dizziness, impaired thought, or delirium. Medical marijuana sales began in Illinois in November under a four-year pilot program. The Urbana, Illinois City Council has approved an ordinance to lower the fine for possessing less than 30 grams of marijuana from $300 to $50. The Champaign News Gazette reports that the council approved the ordinance last week at a committee of the whole meeting after two amendments failed to get enough support. Members of the public praised the council for making the change in an effort to address the disparate impact of such fines between black and white people. But activist Martel Miller argued that the ordinance won't change the root of the problem, racial profiling by police. The lowered fine came from a recommendation by the city's Illinois Department of Transportation Traffic Stop Task Force to place a moratorium on tickets for cannabis possession given out in traffic stops. 
The Pittsburgh City Council has passed a new depenalization measure for marijuana possession by an 8-to-1 vote. The new measure does not decriminalize marijuana possession, but rather changes it from a misdemeanor to a summary offense. With the change, those adults caught with less than 30 grams of marijuana flour or 8 grams of hashish will be charged with violating certain defined conduct. While there will be a criminal record, there will be no mention of marijuana or a controlled substance to be searched for, and the summary can be expunged after five years. This summary offense will not require an arrest or fingerprinting and will result in up to a $100 fine. Officials originally wanted to reduce possession to a civil fine only, but a quirk in Pennsylvania law means only Philadelphia has the power to process such civil fines. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, April 5th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. All the mainstream media is abuzz now about the story of Whoopi Goldberg getting involved in the cannabis industry with her new line of products meant to help women who are dealing with frustrations from menstrual cramps, menstrual pain. And there's a new article out on Vox.com from their science and health section it says Whoopi Goldberg is launching a line of marijuana products to treat period pain. There's no science behind them. Well, folks, this is another case where saying that there's no science behind something we know about marijuana to be true is not indicative of it not being true. The science isn't there because marijuana has been a Schedule One controlled substance and we haven't been allowed to do the kind of science that today's modern science says is science, right? Like they say it's anecdotal evidence, but when we're talking about anecdotal evidence that goes back to Queen Victoria using this for her menstrual cramps, and prior to that, going back to the Chinese using it for all manner of pain relief, then, 
yeah, there's some science. It's just not the kind of science that modern science likes. The kind of double-blind, placebo-controlled science, rather than thousands of years of historical use for these particular ailments. So uh, according to the story, it says there's absolutely no science behind marijuana as an analgesic for period pain. And that's right there. It's a little bit of weasel wordy, right? Because there is evidence, even scientific, modern, double-blind, placebo-controlled evidence for marijuana as an analgesic. We're definitely finding that, especially with respect to neuropathic pain. But is there anything specifically about period pain? Well, no. We haven't had a study that recruited X number of women who are between puberty and menopause, who half of them are pot smokers and half of them aren't, and then monitored them after giving them a placebo or giving them... We didn't know. We haven't done all that. But what we do have is every single stoner chick guy know... (laughs) from the past 25 years has told me there's nothing better in the world than marijuana for their period pain. I used to be married to a woman who got her medical marijuana card for endometriosis, a severe form uh, of this disorder, uh, this problem. So yeah, there is plenty of evidence for it. It's just not in that scientific vein. So it's unfair of this writer on Vox.com to make this kind of, you know, a uh, clickbait headline when, yeah, there's no science, but there's no science really on a lot of things that we know to be true. So uh, this continues to say the best available research backing pot and pain suggests the drug may be helpful for muscle spasms and chronic pain caused by conditions including neuropathy and cancer. But just because there's some evidence that cannabis works for some types of chronic pain, this uh, uh, obstetrician they interviewed, uh, it shouldn't be extrapolated to period-related issues. Pain is extremely complicated, and the biological mechanisms that cause chronic pain or muscle spasms aren't the same as the ones that lead to menstrual cramps, he said. So it's unlikely that a treatment that works for one type of pain will work for another. Well, what do they give to women? What do they recommend women do when they are experiencing menstrual cramps and pain, right? They give them Midol. They give them various drugs that have been marketed for this uh, purpose for years and years that have been recommended by the FDA. And, and what are the active ingredients in those drugs? Oh, yeah, they're the same damn active ingredients you find in the over-the-counter pain relievers that people are using for headaches and backaches and other types of pain. It's about time that we stopped asking the scientists here to completely validate what works and doesn't work as medicine and maybe start asking the patients what works and doesn't work as medicine. And I could understand, understand some uh, skepticism and some worry about this. If we were talking about some new manufactured artificial compound that hadn't been thoroughly tested and we didn't know what the side effects were, or the long-term ramifications are. But we are talking about cannabis, something that has been used for over 7,000 years of human history with not one recorded death by overdose, with very little side effects and far fewer side effects than those which we tolerate from the drugs that we're giving women for their period cramps, for their pain. So excuse me if it just seems a little paternalistic here. And, And oddly enough... Uh, the article uh, on Vox.com 
written by a woman, uh, Julia Belouz. I will assume she's a woman. But does seem to me a little bit paternalistic to tell Whoopi Goldberg and other women that are getting behind this business that there's no science behind their relief of period pain and to try to try to cast them as selling some sort of snake oil and, and putting together some sort of scheme to bilk women, well-meaning women that want to try to get some relief from a a common ailment here and instead maybe just take women's word for it that this stuff really works all right well that bell that's the rare one it's only one out of like 90 that has the bell i had to keep one bell in there big daddy fink sorry That bell means it's 20 after. That means it's 420 in the Mountain Time Zone. Happy 420 to our friends in Denver who started this ball rolling. We're going to keep it rolling until all 50 states are legal. We'll be back right after this. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at the world of finance and in particular marijuana stocks. And while a lot of the marijuana stocks out there are traded uh, on the over-the-counter, the pink sheets that are far less regulated and much riskier than uh, your typical investments that are overseen by the Securities and Exchange Commission, there is one stock out there that is 
very, very uh, recognized and is trading on NASDAQ, as a matter of fact. And that would be the stock for GW Pharmaceuticals. You can look it up on NASDAQ as GWPH. And we're looking at a story here on Motley Fool, the investment website, fool.com. Uh, entitled, Why This Marijuana Stock Skyrocketed 79% in March. That's right. Uh, GW Pharmaceutical stock increased 70, well, 79.5%, so almost 80% increase in the uh, value of GW Pharma's stock, according to data from S&P's Global Market Intelligence. And the big reason for this, as we reported in the Cannabis Radio News, was uh, remarkable results in one of their, the first of their four uh, phase three clinical trials for a formulation of theirs called Epidiolex. Uh, Epidiolex is their version of CBD oil, basically. Uh, it's a little more complex than that. It's a, it's still a whole plant extract uh, that they're making. GW is a, a British a drug maker, and they have legal cannabis plants. They're growing out there in the UK. They make their Epidiolex from this. And they had their most recent uh, clinical trials that showed uh, they had 120 uh, patients with Dravet syndrome, that severe form of childhood epilepsy that was uh, popularized, well, I shouldn't say popularized, but recognized in the uh, Sanjay Gupta special, weed. Uh, anyway, they took 120 of these kids with Dravet syndrome, randomized them, gave some of them placebo, gave some of them Epidiolex. Kids that got Epidiolex had 39% reduction in monthly seizures compared to the placebo kids who only saw a reduction in 11, uh, uh, of 11%, which already that's kind of interesting that 11% actually had reduced seizures just because they believed they'd be getting cannabis. <laughs> but anyway, uh, 39% reduction, and that's a, a huge move because this is starting to provide the scientific backing necessary to start moving cannabis into the realm of the pharmaceuticals, into a rescheduled substance that can pass FDA approval through these clinical trials. And GW believes that this could lead to their approval by the Food and Drug Administration by as early as next year, the end of next year, 2017, could be the last year that there are no cannabinoid pharmaceuticals. Epidiolex could be on the shelves. Behind that, they're working on Sativex. Sativex is a more uh, THC based uh, drug. They haven't had as good results with that in their clinical trials. A lot of people p point to there being a lack of the entourage effect, all the other cannabinoids and terpenes working in concert together as they do with whole plant. But all of this underscores how the direction of medical marijuana is going to unfold in this capitalist world of healthcare. It's going to become sprays and tinctures and pills and inhalers that are carefully controlled, carefully dosed, carefully ratioed to be exactly the same every time you purchase it. And it'll be paid for by people's health insurance. It'll be perfectly legal in all 50 states and internationally. That is the direction of cannabinoid medicines. Now, I'm not against that. I am for any scientific advance that can be made that might take the benefit of cannabis and bring it to any patient anywhere for any purpose. However, we need to be careful that this isn't the only way 
patients are allowed to get their cannabis medicine. And I fear with the great monetary value in patenting and controlling cannabinoid medicines, I mean, 80% stock surge in a month is nothing to sneeze at, that we risk the danger of medical marijuana being its own specific category, that there is no more such thing as medical marijuana. There's marijuana, the plant that stoners use to get high, and there's cannabinoid pharmaceuticals, the medicines that GW and other companies make to heal the sick. In fact, what I believe is happening in a, in a sense of framing and a sense of law is that the era of, quote, medical marijuana, end quote, as a legal status, as a political tactic is coming to a close. 1996 to 2016 is the beginning of the end. Perhaps by 2020, there'll be enough of those cannabinoid pharmaceuticals out there that uh, that will be the end of the medical marijuana era. And if people want to have cannabis as a plant they can cultivate for themselves and use as medicine, what we've come to know as medical marijuana on the West Coast, then it's time for those patients and their advocates to be fighting for marijuana legalization. Because this direction means that medical marijuana will be separated from us. We will lose control of that frame. It will become cannabinoid pharmaceuticals. And they will be in control of that, and that will fall all under the Controlled Substances Act and prescriptions and doctors like every other drug out there. If you want to be able to use the whole plant, it's time to get behind the whole plant. Time to get behind everybody's right to access this whole plant and use it for whatever purposes they deem fit. Without the permission of a government, without the permission of a clerk, without the permission of a doctor. All right, we're going to take a break. And speaking of marijuana legalization and the whole plant, Chris Thompson is next with National Normal, talking about the primary election membership drive. I'm Radical Russ, live from Portland, Oregon. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> what the hell are we paying you for? Are you stupid? Okay. 
Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour. And joining us today in the activist agenda, we've got Chris Thompson. How are you doing, Chris? Good to see you again. Pretty good. How about you? And it's great to be on again. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you here, but I'm not exactly sure... Uh, which title I should be using for you. Are you still with National Normal, or did you move to Freedom Leaf? Uh, I'm an employee of Freedom Leaf, but, uh, my, and my title there is a nonprofit liaison manager. So basically, my entire job is to work with groups like SSDP and Normal to help them thrive, uh, do fundraisers, and uh, kind of coordinate events and do promotion. Okay. So a, a natural transition from you had been working at Normal, now you're working at Freedom Leaf, coordinating with all these other groups. Uh, yeah, and mostly I'm working with Normal right now. Like, I'm still in contact with uh, everyone at the national staff, and we are putting together this uh, membership drive. So it's still uh, in direct communication, just a little bit of different location. <laughs> right on. Okay, that's great to hear. Well, uh, let's talk about this membership drive. We had uh, brought it up with Kevin Mamalji uh, a couple of weeks ago, but we want to refresh everyone's minds about this and how you're tying it to this exciting election season. So uh, give people the pitch. Yeah, well, we're throwing the uh, National Normal Presidential Primary Membership Drive, which is uh, an awesome membership drive that started uh, a couple weeks ago and is going until May 31st. And basically, we're just trying to get a ton of people involved with Normal because it's one of the best times to get involved with Normal right now with the, like Russ said, crazy election season that's going on. We really want to get people involved with National Normal and get them involved at the local level. So we're offering special membership packages, limited edition, um, that contain a great amount of um, merchandise and uh, great things um, that you can get with the membership packages. So for the $30 package, you get a t-shirt, you get stickers, um, you get uh, things from our sponsors like Simplic, Elixir, Nug Media, a ton of uh, great promotional items for just $30. And then at the $60 level at the candidate package, get everything in the $30 package plus a ton of great stuff like uh, normal pen, normal wristband, magazine, plus a signed uh, color poster from Hippo TV. So you're getting a ton of great stuff in these packages and uh, basically we're just trying to get a ton of people involved. You can check all of that out at normal. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Maui Waui, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. 
Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have... You just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman only on CannabisRadio.com You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association and the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the Radical Rant, I want to talk a little bit about the prohibitionists out there, the few that still remain, and how they've become so predictable. It's just so easy anymore uh, to deal with their reefer madness. It's, uh, you could just have a card that you could hold up. It's almost like playing bingo. That's, that's what I'm really thinking here, is that we could make bingo cards, prohibitionist bingo cards. And we could just have a few entries in there. You know, some of the, the popular ones, like Watsy, right? What about the children? Watsy and Smoth, stoned mayhem on the freeways, right? But uh, there's a few more out there. And I don't have any clever acronyms for them yet, but you can bet that I will in the future. But there's a few more out there that I was reminded of uh, through my Twitter account. This uh, in, was in a battle today with Tide C 2014, <laughs> which I'm purposely making fun of. It's T I E D C 2014, which is, stands for Two Is Enough DC. 2014. This was the prohibitionist campaign against Washington, D.C.'s marijuana legalization from 2014. You know, the one that passed with almost 71% of the vote. 
So here's a guy who's representing less than 30% of the voters of D.C. who want to return to marijuana prohibition. And he's still using the account from 2014. Two is enough, D.C. Now, what do you mean by two is enough? Did he mean two legal marijuana states is enough? Because I, I, I hit him on that. I said, don't you need to change your name to four is enough, D.C.? Because now there's four legal states, right? But no, what the two is enough stands for is the two legal drugs. And this this opens us up to the first common fallacy of the prohibitionists. The two is enough fallacy. Why, we've already got two legal drugs on the menu, alcohol and tobacco. And uh, my God, alcohol and tobacco, they kill hundreds of thousands of people. My God, alcohol alone, the wrecks on the freeway and the deaths and the spousal abuse and the crime and the tobacco. Oh, my God, the emphysema and the cancer and the stinky hallways and all of that. Oh, we've already got two legal drugs. Why would we ever want to add a third? That's the two is enough fallacy. And the problem with the two is enough fallacy is it pretends that marijuana doesn't already exist. <laughs> like nobody's using it now. Like it's not already the third most popular substance in the country. Like it's not already more popular among teenagers than one of the legal drugs cigarettes are. It pretends that if we legalize, poof, all of a sudden there's marijuana. Oh, no. And all of the attendant harms of marijuana. The fact is that marijuana already exists. It's already here. It's already been here for a while. And there's already a lot of people who really like it. So whatever harms there are, and I'm not saying there are many, but whatever harms there are already exist. If there's a problem with people smoking pot and driving, that already exists. If there's a problem with people smoking pot and not going to school or not showing up to work, that's already there. If there's a problem with people smoking pot and not being good parents, it already exists. Now, I don't think any of those things are necessarily true. But if they were, it's already there. There's already plenty of people using pot. Now, their idea is that, well, you know, you legalize it and (laughs) then more people will use it because now it's legal. Well, this presupposes that the only thing that's stopping people from using marijuana is keeping our thumb down on them, keeping the threat of losing everything over their heads is keeping them from using pot. Otherwise, they'd all use pot. Well, what does that say about pot? That the only thing that's keeping people from using it is telling people not to. That don't you think if it was terribly awful, people would come to that of their own accord? (laughs) You wouldn't need to coerce them. Like there's no law out there telling people not to use hemlock or belladonna or nightshade uh, because those things will kill you. (laughs) Right? Nobody has to be told. There's no, doesn't have to be a cop standing there. Now don't, whatever you do, (laughs) don't use that. No, because you know, Uh, nature takes care of that. Darwin takes care of that, right? Too many people using that stuff, they die. What does it say about the drug that they have to prohibit it to keep you away from it? Now, extend that thinking. Extend that thinking to other drugs. Well, you know, there's only so many people that are using acid. But if it were legal, 
everybody'd start using it. Do you really think that's true? Do you think the only pe- only thing stopping people from you know using tons of heroin is the fact that it's illegal? No. I mean, the fact that we're having this opioid epidemic when it comes to the uh, prescription painkillers kind of tells us that's not true. So there are some other uh, fallacies here, but they're all kind of couched right there in the guy's name. Two is enough DC as if we're going to somehow eliminate or eradicate marijuana use or stop it by keeping it illegal. And if anything, 80 years of prohibition have demonstrated to us that we can't. Prohibition that was more severe in the past didn't stop this. In fact, we started off with about 100,000 marijuana smokers in the country, according to Harry J. Anslinger back in the day, the 30s, right? About 100,000. That was in his quote. Most of them being Filipinos, Negroes, entertainers, and Hispanics. But uh, 100,000, and now there's 28 million after 80 years of prohibition. You know, start of the 60s, it was maybe a half million. People were pot smokers, maybe. By the end of the 70s, again, tens of millions. So it's not as if this is stopping anybody, this prohibition. (laughs) So let me get to some of the other uh, logical fallacies contained in here. Uh, He came back at me with the... um, Oh, because I had meant uh, my rant today, my radical rant, which was the one I did yesterday on the show published today on hightimes.com is, is it better than your prohibition now? Right. This is my rant about, you know, the stoners against legalization who don't like the California legalization plan because it's not as good as they'd like. It's not as legal. But, well, that's not a question. The question is, is it better than the prohibition you have now? And so two is an FDC came back at me saying that that was an unfair analogy, misleading use of the word prohibition because it implies alcohol prohibition, which only failed, it's only failed because the alcohol industry had existed for so long and people had used marijuana for so long. And that's where we get into another one of his fallacies, which I call the, if we only could have banned alcohol sooner fallacy. This is the fallacy where they say, well, you can't compare alcohol prohibition to marijuana prohibition because alcohol prohibition, well, we were trying to ban something that had been around for 5,000 years. We had a whole culture set up around alcohol. We had a whole industry of brewers and distributors worldwide. So it was a futile attempt to try to ban alcohol because it was just too late. The inference here is that we can ban marijuana now because we're going to catch it in the nick of time. We're going to catch it before it's too late. We can do it now because there isn't yet a marijuana industry. But see, here's where that one falls apart. First of all, the idea that the only things that made alcohol prohibition fail was the existence of an alcohol industry is fallacious on a number of accounts. Number one, Alcohol prohibition wasn't anything like marijuana prohibition. You could be an alcohol consumer and not face any penalties. You could possess alcohol and not face any penalties. It was the sellers and distributors and manufacturers of alcohol who got busted. But if you had gotten a stash of wine stored in your cellar by 1920, 
you could keep that stash and drink off it throughout the 20s and through the 30s until Prohibition was ended, if you had enough of it. During Prohibition, they used to sell ca- uh, these casks that had the, the, the grape juice, the, the raw grape juice in it. And you could buy them, and they'd have instruction that went with them and said, whatever you do, don't put two cups of sugar in this and then store it in a dark, warm place and leave it there for two weeks because then it would become alcohol, which is illegal. So whatever you do, don't do that. So you could buy that. You think, you think our, our grow shops, you know, that, uh, yeah, I'd like some lights for wink tomatoes, right? You think that's a joke. Hell, back in Prohibition days, you could actually buy the stuff to make wine with the directions on how to make wine. Wink. So it wasn't anything like the Prohibition we face today. So don't tell me the alcohol Prohibition couldn't have worked because it wasn't even as, even tried as stringently as marijuana Prohibition is tried today. But the main thesis, of course, is that alcohol Prohibition couldn't work because culture has been there for so long. We've had alcohol for so long. We've had the drinking for so long throughout history that there's just no eradicating it. Well, here's the problem for them with that argument is that invalidates any argument they have that this is about public safety. Now, those arguments were already invalid because we know alcohol kills people and marijuana doesn't. But this adds to it by, by actually implicating them in agreeing with us. By them saying we couldn't have banned alcohol because it was too culturally entrenched and implying that we can ban marijuana now because it's not so culturally entrenched, they give up all ground on saying that this is a public safety issue because now they've just agreed with us that it's a culture war issue. We can go to war against this culture because it's not as an entrenched. And I would argue, of course, that this culture is way more entrenched than they give it credit for. We go back in hemp culture in this country to 1611. We go back medical marijuana culture in this country back to 1850. And by that, I mean legit recognized by mainstream doctors in the United States pharmacopoeia type recognition. It was recognized as medicine long before that, but I'm talking, you know, the legit type, right? And we've got recreational marijuana heritage in this country that goes back to the 1900s. It goes back to Louis freaking Armstrong. So if alcohol couldn't have been banned because it was culturally, the the culture was there for too long, tell me how long it needs to be. Because we got 100 years of recreational culture, 250 years of medical marijuana culture, and over 400 years of industrial hemp culture in this country. We'll talk a little bit more about this uh, D.C. reefer madness when we come back in Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. It's coming up next, plus your calls. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, live in Portland, Oregon. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to earth.
Now, it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It's hour two. We made it all the way to hour two today. Looking out the window off the 26th floor of the south waterfront. The sky has cleared just a little bit, and Mount Hood stands majestically in the distance. Really a beautiful skyline up here in Portland, i got to say. We're supposed to be approaching some 80-degree days over the next couple of days, so I came back to Portland just in time to enjoy some of what makes it wonderful, and that's when the sun comes out and it gets all warm by the banks of the Willamette River. Looking forward to it. It'll be a nice way to relax after these last couple of days, and and I want to apologize to the listeners out there, especially the live listeners, with the difficulties I've been having uh, on the system here these past couple of days. You know, uh, this has been tough. Because, as you know, uh, I had my home studio, Rolla J Studios, and now I'm getting divorced, and so I don't have a home studio anymore. Uh, it's actually, Rolla J Studios is set up at Herb Thrasher's place. is now the 420 Radio Studios. So all three of my uh, desktop computers and all four monitors are all set up at Herb's place. And I've had to transition everything to this mobile studio, uh, which consists of a laptop and a USB mixer and a recorder. And... Uh, it's been tough trying to get everything to, you know, fit on one screen and swap between different uh, applications. Plus, uh, there was virtual uh, audio drivers that I had to install, uh, a virtual audio cable to get the Liebermater to talk to the Spreaker to talk to, you know, you don't care. But anyway, a lot of stuff, a lot of details to hook up between this, between that. And over the past couple of months, I finally gotten it dialed in. Where it's working just great. And then came, you know, the fact that, well, I can't keep this laptop. I've got to, I got to give it back to Portland Normal. It's a Portland Normal laptop, right? So I went and got another laptop and I scrubbed the, the first laptop, the one I've been using. I scrubbed it, wiped it, you know, factory reset because I'm going to give it back, you know, to, uh, 
to its owners. <laughs> so I started setting up the new laptop, and the new laptop was kind of slow, and it wasn't working, and there was all sorts of problems with it. And I'm panicking, like, oh, my God, I, I got this new laptop. It's not going to work for what I'm doing. And and uh, so then we got to talking about it and said, well, why don't we just gift the new laptop over and keep the old laptop with me? And I'm like, well, that's great. That's a great idea. Uh, except now I've got to rebuild this laptop. So that's where we're at right now is I've been rebuilding this laptop for the past weekend and trying to get everything reinstalled and reconfigured. And as you can tell, there's still some things that weren't quite reconfigured. So now they are. And I hope this uh, sounds better from here on out. And I intend it to. Anyway, for the rest of this hour, we are going to talk more about the fallacies of marijuana prohibitionists as demonstrated by the two is enough DC account today on Twitter, where we went over this, uh, <laughs> his reasoning here for, uh, why alcohol prohibition and marijuana prohibition aren't comparable. And I'll actually agree. Alcohol prohibition was far less draconian than marijuana prohibition ever, ever could be right. Far less dr- draconian, uh, you didn't have cops breaking down citizens' doors and shooting their pets and uh, taking everybody's stuff and throwing everyone in prison during alcohol prohibition. During alcohol prohibition, it was mostly dumping out casks of beer and whiskey into the streets, into the gutters, and locking up uh, gangsters and kingpins. So, nothing alike. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just two minutes with more... Marijuana Prohibition Fallacies, right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a Resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks, and round necks. 
Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Approaching 9 after the hour here. Uh, It's been a fun show today. We spoke with Chris Thompson from uh, Freedom Leaf discussing the normal membership drive. You can find out more at freedomleaf.com slash normal. And uh, my apologies to Chris because of the uh, trouble we had with the live feed. A lot of folks didn't hear the first part of our interview, so we made sure to repeat things as much as we could once we had the connection taken care of. But I think everything's dialed in now. I don't think I'm going to have to make any other major changes. Cross my fingers. <laughs> I think I think this is it. But uh, let's go back to what we were talking about uh, in the rant, and that is this two is enough DC. And again, two is enough referring to two legal drugs is enough. Can't have a third legal drug. My God, that would be terrible because three is greater than two and therefore it's bad. It, it's always a weird argument, isn't it? That, that we legalize the two worst drugs there are. Objectively speaking, there is no denying that tobacco and alcohol are the two worst drugs there are. And not just because they're legal. That's where they like to, you know, Kevin Sabet and the Project Sam acolytes like two is enough here. They like to try to steer that to say, well, yeah, because they're legal and so many more people use them. That's why. Well, that's why there are so many deaths. You know, there are so many more people using them. No. On a case by case, person by person basis. Take one person, give them alcohol to excess, take another person, give them heroin to excess. Alcohol's the worst drug, long-term and short-term. Alcohol can kill you, just as heroin can. Alcohol withdrawals can kill you, just as heroin can. Alcohol's really addictive and reinforcing on that addiction. So is heroin. Nicotine actually has a higher addictive potential than heroin does. More people who try nicotine actually get addicted to it than people who try heroin. So this isn't even an argument about whether or not it's safer because or it's more dangerous because more people are using it. And even if that were the case, even if we did have as many people, you know, half the country drinks, over half the country drinks. Even if we had over half the country smoking pot on a regular basis, you would not see the devastation even a hundredth of the devastation that you see from alcohol use, even a thousandth of the devastation you see from alcohol use, it wouldn't be there. So it's just a weird argument to me that, well, we legalize the two worst drugs there are, so we better not legalize the safest one. That makes no sense whatsoever. If it was the other way around, you'd have an argument. Well, we legalized mushrooms and and weed, but we better not legalize alcohol and tobacco because those fuckers are dangerous. <laughs> right? That, that might make some sense. But no, we legalize tobacco and alcohol, so we better not legalize mushrooms and weed. Oh, my God. 
fear. So let me get to some of his arguments because these are some classics. We already covered the one. We could have banned alcohol if only we'd have gotten to it sooner. Talk on it. If only there was a Project Sam back in 10,000 BC when they were first turning bread into beer. <laughs> they were first figuring that out. If only we could have just told Ook and Mug, the caveman there, that uh, it was bad for their brains, it would cause loss of IQ, domestic violence, and make them wreck their wheel. <laughs> Maybe we could have stopped it back then in its tracks, but now it's far too late now. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, this is the, uh, um, oh, that was the same one. Hold on. Oh, yes. Uh, the one about the hood. We've got to keep marijuana illegal to protect the hood. This is the argument that they say, well, you know, alcohol preys on the inner city, preys on disadvantaged black and Latino people. If you go to the inner cities, why, there's eight times as many liquor stores in the inner cities as there are in Beverly Hills or Orange County or Upper East Side or wherever, you know, Tony Rich place you want to name, right? Well, that ignores a whole bunch of racism that has nothing to do with alcohol. It ignores the fact that there's zoning laws that say where you can have a liquor establishment and many of those zoning laws prevent you from having liquor stores in nice, rich, acculturated neighborhoods. Forces the liquor dealers to be more in these residential areas where the poorer, blacker, and browner people are living. Number two, liquor store sometimes is the only place where alcohol is available to people in the inner city because they're not available at the local restaurant, local grocery store, local tavern, local bar that don't exist as often in those areas. But even granting that there could be a predatory aspect to alcohol to go after people who are disadvantaged, even if we grant that, and, and I will, you know, when you look at cigarette brands, there's specific cigarette brands like Cools, right? Menthols that are marketed specifically to black people and specific alcohol, you know, Colt 45 and Old English marketed specifically to black people in inner cities and such. There's no denying that. But even granting that for big alcohol makes us wonder what would be the problem with that happening with marijuana in the neighborhoods. If the argument is that, oh my God, if we legalize marijuana, why they're going to set up more pot shops in the, in the black neighborhoods than they will in the white neighborhoods. You got to ask the people in the black neighborhoods, well, how does that compare to who's selling pot in your neighborhood now? See, this is the, this is the problem. And, and like, if you can't remember all of my clever acronyms and funny debunks and various fallacies that I identify, you only need to remember one question. And that is, how does it compare to prohibition now? How does it compare to the situation now? If you want to be more blanket statement about it, how does it compare to the situation now? Oh no, there might be stores selling pot in black neighborhoods, creating jobs, putting the pot behind closed doors 
where IDs are checked, where there's some measure of video security, probably more video security there than in most areas of town. And how does that compare to the situation now where there's street corner dealers every block who are hustling to the sides of cars that are coming in from out of the neighborhood, passing bag of weed in and out of the car, exchanging it for money, occasionally getting into shooting fights with other dealers in the neighborhood as you battle over turf or any other sort of dispute. Gee, I I wonder... Given the choice between the street corner dealers who are shooting up the place or the pot shop that's creating jobs and paying taxes in that neighborhood, I wonder what those residents might want to prefer. I wonder what they'd like better. I wonder if maybe the jobs and the tax paying and the buildings with lighting and security, I wonder if that might be attractive to them. <laughs> such a It's such a paternalistic, condescending type of argument. We've got to keep marijuana illegal to protect the black folks from themselves why they'll just set up pot shops all over those black neighborhoods the next thing you know those black people while wow, they'll be smoking pot as if we're not already as if the people who want to smoke pot in those neighborhoods are not already here's what we found from legalizing pot people that want to smoke pot have been smoking pot and once it's legal they smoke a little more pot because now they got access to it and it's cheaper And some people who used to smoke pot back in the day might try it again now. And a few of them stick with it. And some of them, it's just kind of a novelty. And for the younger people who've always had access to pot, there's a slight spike in the beginning, but it levels back out to just about who was smoking pot in the past. Really, what's changing in the states where it's legal is middle-aged guys like me have a place to buy pot now. (laughs) That's really what it is. Middle-aged guys from their 40s on up into the baby boom era, 50s and 60s and 70s even, have got a safe place to go buy weed that's tested and labeled and lots of variety. The college kids and younger who are smoking pot, they've got a guy. They've got the same hookup they've been using for a couple years now. They've got an informal network of friends that constitutes what we call the black market. And they've been getting their weed there. Access couldn't have gotten any better for young people <laughs> than what it was. We saw that, uh, that survey, the Monitoring the Future survey, Monitoring the Future since 1975, asked high school seniors, if you wanted to get a hold of weed, would it be easy, fairly easy, not easy, impossible? And for since 1975, over 40 years now, they have over 80% of them have said it would be easy or fairly easy to get weed. Four out of five high school seniors, easy or fairly easy to get weed. This year, the most recent year tested, surveyed, I should say, for the first time ever that they asked the question, that number was below 80%. Now, it was 79.5, so it wasn't a whole lot below 80%. But it was the lowest ever recorded. And we've legalized in four states. So, yeah, the access couldn't have gotten any better. But for older people, people over 50, monthly marijuana use has tripled among that age group. It's the fastest growing demographic of cannabis consumers. (laughs) 
I spent the last two years of high school in a daze. <laughs> well, who didn't, Mr. President? Who didn't? That sound means that it's 420 here on the West Coast. And I've got me a perfectly legal joint in my hand, overlooking a perfectly legal state, looking at a perfectly legal mountain. If I wanted to, I could climb the top of that mountain and smoke a joint legally. I won't, but I could. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Get the latest updates on The Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking The Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Yes, yes. Welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. Still enjoying this legal joint. Yeah. Hope you had a good safety briefing as well. We got some great guests coming up on the Rust Belleville Show for the rest of this week. I hope you join us tomorrow on the show, a special edition of our Reformers Reader segment. Vincent Medizaday of Humor Rising is a new book that he has sent me a copy of. Interesting story, kind of a rags to riches story. Uh, and we'll uh, tell you all about that on the show tomorrow. And then on Thursday's show, another edition of Cops Say Legalized Drugs. We'll have a great leap speaker on the air to talk about how they came to realize the war on drugs was a 
abysmal failure. And then on Friday, Kevin McCormick will be joining us on the show. So we got plenty of guests coming up. Plus, uh, tomorrow morning, there is a special uh, press conference call, a conference call, I guess, news conference call, whatever they're calling it, an online conference call uh, with Canadian and Mexican officials uh, leading up to the United Nations General Assembly special session that's taking place in a couple weeks. And uh, I'll be listening in on that call and may have some audio for you tomorrow of some of these officials and uh, their perspective on the upcoming session. So that's all coming up on the rest of this week's Russ Belleville show. Also coming up on Cannabis Radio, don't forget on Wednesdays and Fridays, we've got the Stoner Jesus show that comes to you live on the stream at uh, 5 o'clock Pacific time. And then tomorrow night, Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock Pacific time, the new edition of the Tommy Chong podcast. Now, we've been talking about reefer madness rhetoric. We've been talking about some of the prohibitionist talking points, their rhetorical fallacies. And uh, this was uh, brought to me by a Twitter account called Two is Enough DC 2014. It's at T-I-E DC 2014. And it's always funny when I get in these Twitter battles with prohibitionists, right? Because most of them don't have much of a following. This guy, Two is Enough DC, has 69 followers. <laughs> right? 69. Now, th- this is... I'm not saying this to brag necessarily. There's plenty of, you know, Kardashians have millions of followers, right? I'm I'm nothing special, but I do have almost 18,000 followers. So when I get into these Twitter battles with some of these prohibitionists, they have their 90 some odd followers. And then I start hitting them and my 18,000 people start reading it. Some of my 18,000 start hitting them. And they get more traffic in a day than they're used to for like in a month, <laughs> right? So some of my friends and online here have been piling on this poor guy. <laughs> it's always fun to do that. But uh, the last uh, little fallacy that he left us with, this one uh, very popular among their, their people, is to try to minimize what they are actually calling for, and that is to keep prohibition. But they want to be the kinder, gentler drug warrior. They want to appear to not be rabid, reefer mad, lock them up and throw away the key prohibitionists. And it's a meme that I call the we know locking up stoners is politically unpopular. Can we keep non-jail punishments? compromise i have to come up with a wittier name for it (laughs) maybe just uh can we keep prohibition light how's that right and it's been popularized by kevin sabet because sabet's not an idiot he's misguided he's 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 completely deluded in some ways but he's a smart enough person to be able to read polls and to be able to read the nation's pulse to recognize that the war on drugs is unpopular It's not a matter of whether it works or not. War on drugs works great. Don't believe anybody that tells you the war on drugs is a failure. It's not. War on drugs is an amazing success if you understand what they're succeeding in doing. (laughs) Right? You got to understand that the war on drugs, as was revealed in the Harper's cover story, 
and has been known by many of us for decades now, the war on drugs was created to destabilize the left. It was created to undermine black power and hippie power movements of the 1970s. That's exactly its stated purpose. Now, it's grown beyond that stated purpose in protecting pharmaceutical profits, big oil profits, timber profits, all sorts of companies who'd be threatened by industrial hemp and, and uh, uh, freely available cannabis medicines and, and recreational pot, right? Brewers and the beer industry and a lot of people benefit from keeping this war on drugs going or at least not protesting it so much. So that it can continue to go, right? So Sabet and these guys, they recognize it's unpopular. You can't, you can't be the guy who says, nah, they are public enemy number one, we need to lock them up. Jails, we'll build more jails, right? That You can't do it anymore. Can't get, the, get away with that. So how do you get what you want without seeming like you're asking for what you want? This was the original point of the war on drugs, right? We couldn't criminalize people for being black or having long hair, but criminalize heroin and, and weed and associate it with the people that are black or have long hair, then you could undermine them that way with the drug laws, right? So we've got that kind of situation going on now where we're able to undermine and criminalize people through marijuana prohibition. So they know that they can't say lock them up throw throw away the key anymore so they've come back with what i call the kinder gentler drug war this is the goldilocks prohibit uh, uh, proposition the goldilocks proposition that prohibition is too hard locking people up throw away key that's too hard but legalizing it's way too soft and our plan is just right and here's what their plan is and it comes to us in the form of the Twitter uh, response from Two is Enough DC, who said, Who said anything about a cage? No one should be caged, but removing criminal penalties does not equal legalization. So it's their idea that we're just going to remove the criminal penalties. We're not, we're not going to punish people with a criminal record. We're not going to lock them up in a cage, but we're still going to slap their hands. We're going to punish them. We're still going to punish them. And that's the key to this, is keeping them on that. Keep reminding everyone within earshot that their goal is to keep punishing adults who use marijuana. Now, that punishment might just be a fine with no arrest and no increase for subsequent uh, violations and, and no searches. It might be the lightest punishment. It might be Washington, D.C.'s $25 public toking ticket. It might be the lightest punishment ever. But there'll still be punishment. We must still punish you for marijuana. And that's at the heart of this. Can we still keep non-jail punishment? And this is where we as legalizers have to keep attacking the core of their argument. And that is to protect public safety, we must punish adults who use marijuana. Do what you can to get them to agree to that phrase, to point the argument in that direction. Whenever I talk to a Ben Court or a Kevin Sabet or Randy Philbrick or whoever this tied DC guy is, 
That's where I always take it. You're arguing that to keep society safe, you need to punish me for smoking pot. And I I always like to make it personal, too, because I got kind of a special case that I get to use against them. I'm like the magic bullet that defeats any of their talking points. They can't pull what about the children on me because I don't have any kids. They can't pull smoth on me, stone mayhem on the freeways, because I don't own a car. I take public transportation everywhere I go. You can't pull workplace productivity on me because A, I'm more productive than most people I know, and B, I'm my own boss. (laughs) I'm not harming anybody's workplace. Hey, if I take the day off tomorrow, the only person it hurts is me. And you know I won't take the day off tomorrow, right? So none of their arguments work. The healthcare argument doesn't work on me. I'm healthy as a horse. (laughs) Really, I've just been tested. Everything's good to go. So I always like to keep the argument on me. And why are you punishing me? The other thing about keeping it personal is that it it makes them very uncomfortable, right? Because then you've put them in the position of looking like someone who's calling someone else an addict. It made Kevin Sabet real uncomfortable when I pulled that on him. Well, I'm not saying you. I, I don't know about you, whether you have a – well, tell me, Kevin. Uh, either I'm an addict with a problem or I'm an adult who can handle this. <laughs> One or the other, right? Either I'm a threat to society who must be punished in, in an effort by the government to try to stop me from doing this harmful behavior to society – or not, <laughs> or I'm not a harm to society, and there's no legitimate reason for government to try to stop me from doing this. Keep it in those terms. They want to portray it as we're helping. We've got to help the poor marijuana consumer. My goodness, no, we don't want to. We don't want to bust a bunch of people. We don't want to. We don't want to lock a bunch of people up. But doggone it, if we happen to find one of you, well, it's our duty to try to help you. Try to. Try to get you away from that terrible, terrible habit of yours that's um, hurting you somehow. Like, uh, I know, it's reducing your IQ. That's it. It's making you not as smart as you could possibly be. And it's our government's fervent wish that you be as smart as you could possibly be. We do everything we can as a government to make sure that you're as intelligent as possible. No, we don't like fix schools or update textbooks or pay for college education, but we'll make sure you don't smoke pot and lose six IQ points. That's, that's how we're going to make sure that uh, we show how much we care about your brains and your health. We've got to take care of your health too. You you poor pot smoker, we caught you. So what we're going to do, we're going to fine you. We can give you a fine for smoking pot. But don't worry, we won't give you a criminal record and we won't, won't lock you up. We're not going to do anything that causes you lasting harm. We're just going to give you a fine so that you know you were a bad person. You're a bad person for smoking pot. And then to help you out, we'll get you some rehab. We'll, we'll, we'll take you to a rehab and you can be evaluated. We can make sure that you get the help you need. And to make sure that you're you know, participating in the program, we'll just ask for your pee now and then to make sure that you don't relapse. And that's just for your own good. That's just to protect you because relapses, you know, for people who are addicts can be very, very difficult. That's just for your own good. We'll do that for you. That's what we want to do to make sure that you're healthy. Not the, not the liquor or the tobacco that you can have as much of you as you want. Have at it. 
smoke your lungs black, drink your liver pickled, go for it. Great. Drink more. In fact, everything you see on TV, things that are sold, bought, and coveted will be highly sponsored by that alcohol. We're cool with that. But we care about your health, so don't smoke pot, okay? You want to make sure you don't smoke pot. Think I'm kidding? Think that's hyperbole? Wait till the next segment, and we tell you what senators were saying about marijuana users. Here's a hint. We're not good people. Back in two. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old mountain smells. And yeah. it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird. Okay, maybe you're high too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 39 after the hour. And uh, in hour one today, we told you about the hearing that took place. Senators Charles Grassley, a.k.a. Chuck. Chuck Grassley. Yeah, his name is Grassley. By the way, uh, met a great guy, older gentleman, 
20 years older than me, 68. <laughs> and uh, it was so cute because he keeps calling. He kept calling it grass. Hey man, you want to smoke some grass? <laughs> yeah, man, I want to smoke some grass. You got a you got a four finger lid of some grass. <laughs> anyway, uh, I I <laughs> just uh, that's just for me. I digress. Uh, Chuck Grassley, the Republican from Iowa, and Dianne Feinstein, the Democrat from California, co-chaired a hearing of the Senate caucus on international narcotics control. Now, these two senators couldn't be farther apart on the political spectrum. Chuck Grassley from Iowa, conservative Republican, religious right type of guy. Dianne Feinstein, liberal Democrat from San Francisco, used to be the mayor of San Francisco. But on marijuana... These two, I think Chuck's in his 80s and Diane's in her late 70s, uh, two very old people couldn't agree more on marijuana. And so they held this hearing. And here's the frustrating thing is that Grassley is the chair of the uh, committee, the Judiciary Committee, to have a hearing on the Carers Act. Now, we've told you about the Carers Act. That's the one. Sponsored by Rand Paul and Cory Booker. Again, uh, Republican Rand Paul, Democrat Cory Booker. Couldn't be more diametrically opposed on most issues. Lindsey Graham. Freaking Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. The the fainting bell of the Senate uh, is behind this bill, too. He's co-sponsoring it. Lindsey Graham is co-sponsoring this bill. The Carers Act would basically fix some of the federal problems to allow the states that have legalized medical or recreational marijuana to move forward. Things like banking, things like uh, 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 you know credit access, uh, veteran. I think no, wait, is the Carers Act? I think is the one with the veterans, right? Carers Act, yes. Um, downgrading marijuana from Schedule One to Schedule Two. Uh, ease restrictions on transporting marijuana between states. This way, our uh, medical refugees wouldn't have to be refugees. Make it easier for banks to do business with the marijuana industry. Direct NIDA to broaden access to marijuana for research. Allow VA doctors to recommend medical marijuana. So five different things this thing would do. Carers Act. And, of course, Grassley won't call a hearing. And this is where you get frustrated with our democratic processes and you realize that a bill that can be supported a bipartisan group of 18 senators supporting this thing that would get medical marijuana from VA doctors, allow banks to work with legal marijuana states so they don't have to be cash only and invite theft and crime, to allow the CBD oils to be transported across the states so some of these southern states could get it to these epileptic kids. All these things that are supported by a bipartisan group of senators And a majority of the people in the country can't go anywhere because one guy, one guy sits at the head of a committee that won't call it for a hearing. Chuck Grassley, 80-year-old guy holding up this bill. So rather than have a hearing on this bill, he schedules this hearing they had today, which was about how the U.S. isn't really living up to the international anti-drug treaties by allowing Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska to legalize marijuana. And so they call to the hearing Benjamin Wagner, a U.S. attorney from the Eastern District of California, Eastern District of California where they still like prosecute people federally for low-level pot offenses, 
Doug Peterson, Nebraska's attorney general, who lost, well, didn't lose, uh, but his lawsuit went nowhere uh, at the U.S. Supreme Court. That's you know, when Nebraska is trying to sue Colorado because Colorado legalized it's making Nebraska's prohibition hard. And Catherine Wells, who's on the advisory board of Project Sam. Yeah, so rather than move forward with the Carers Act, let's instead call a hearing of three prohibitionists to speak in front of a, a committee chaired by two prohibitionists. Frustrating, isn't it? So um, another member of the caucus was Senator Jeff Sessions, Republican from Alabama. And here's what he had to say about the need to, quote, foster knowledge that this drug is dangerous. You cannot play with it. It is not funny. It is not something to laugh about. And to send the message with clarity that good people don't smoke marijuana. End quote. Good people don't smoke marijuana. Good people, not healthy people, not smart people. Good people don't smoke marijuana. So people who do smoke marijuana are evil people. Again, it's a culture war. It's about morality. It's about good and evil. This has nothing to do with whether or not it's healthy or unhealthy, smart or unwise. It's a culture war. And they can't be any more clear when they say things like this. Completely obvious. The Nebraska Attorney General said, quote, the diversion of marijuana into my state has been fierce. We know that young people in Nebraska are getting the drugs. And by drugs, he means marijuana. I can tell you story after story of high school students gathering up their money and sending a buyer into Colorado and bringing marijuana edibles back or bringing the product back. End quote. Well, let me fill you in on something. You can tell that story before Colorado legalized. Colorado's always been a supply state for Nebraska. People have always been growing weed in Colorado, and people from Nebraska have always been putting their money together to send a guy over to Colorado to get it. This has always existed. The only difference now is when the guy gets the money and goes across the state line to get the weed in Colorado, he's an adult who's getting his ID checked, and when he's purchasing these items, it's there's some tax revenue that's benefiting the state of Colorado, and the items he's purchasing have been tested for pesticides, mold, mildew, contaminants. They're labeled with the exact THC content on them, and there's guides for the consumption of these items in a safe manner. I'm not saying it's good that teenagers in Nebraska are getting weed, but given that they're going to get weed, ain't it better that they're getting tested, pure, taxed, regulated weed? But here's the thing. It's not increased and this has been borne out by the facts the official federal data between 2012 and 2014 
marijuana use, monthly marijuana use declined slightly among Nebraska high school students, although not by a statistically significant amount. So at least it stayed the same. So kids may have been pooling money together to send an adult across the border to get Colorado weed and edibles and bring it back, but not any more than before. Maybe the sourcing has changed. Maybe the quality has improved. Maybe the variety has improved. But no more kids are using marijuana in Nebraska before or after legalization. And then you got Charles Grassley, Chuck Grassley, who has his own thought process with respect to marijuana that it has to be read to be believed. He says, quote, our country's in the middle of an epidemic of addiction focused on heroin and prescription opioids. And just last year, the Centers for Disease Control found that people who are addicted to marijuana are three times more likely to be addicted to heroin. So if the Obama administration is serious about this, addressing this epidemic, it should stop burying its head in the sand about what's happening to its enforcement priorities on recreational marijuana, end quote. Yeah, so we're supposed to buy the idea here that part of what we need to do to address the heroin epidemic is to stop people from smoking pot. Man, I don't even have weed good enough to make me think that kind of stuff. What do they got growing in Iowa that Chuck Grassley's gotten a hold of? See, here's the problem with Chuck Grassley's logic in this respect. The same report that he is referring to from the Centers for Disease Control, the same report says that people who use, abuse, alcohol, or prescription pills are also considerably more likely to abuse heroin. So let's stop burying our head in the sand about what's happening on our enforcement priorities on alcohol and prescription pills. Nope. Again, those are legal drugs. We don't have to pay attention to what effect legal drugs have on society. <laughs> and we've got other research. We talked about it on the show many times. It shows alcohol is really more of a gateway in these circumstances. And we've got other research showing us that medical marijuana access, not just passing a law, but actually having access to the medical marijuana, reduces the fatalities and overdoses associated with heroin and painkiller abuse. The scares from these senators, these prohibitionists, can't work anymore in the age of Google. We can look this shit up. We can actually see with our own two eyes and our own internet connection the government's own statistics that prove these talking points to be massive lies. But that's the hearing we had today. We had senators hearing from prohibitionists talking as if it were still the 20th century, <laughs> as if we still had no Google or Facebook, no easy way to access this information, as if it were still 
pre-1996, and we hadn't actually seen states pass medical marijuana and not fall into the chasm (laughs) of hellfire and damnation. We've seen it with 23 states now in varying degrees of permissive, like California, to restrictive, like Illinois or New York or Minnesota, from whole plant to CBD only, from decrim to full legalization. We've seen various experiments with marijuana policy in the United States, and every single one of them has been superior to the prohibition status quo. It's not in question anymore. It's not whether we should legalize. It's just how should we legalize at this point. Fortunately, Charles Grassley and Dianne Feinstein won't be around much longer to have to get in the way. Not that I wish anything bad to happen, but, you know, stats and all. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for marijuana sales to take place in regulated businesses and stop taking place in our neighborhoods. It's time to create rules for testing and labeling marijuana so that consumers can know what they're getting. Prohibition has failed. It's time for a more sensible approach. Vermont is ready. We're ready. We're ready. Vermont is ready. It's time to end prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont. Marijuana is not addictive. But listening to the Russ Belleville Show is. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Just a few minutes left here as we close up shop. Reminding you to stay tuned to CannabisRadio.com for more informative programming that will be on replay after I close down this live stream. 
But as we close down the live stream, one last story coming to us from the Associated Press. And we are working with the Associated Press, so I get to bring you these stories. Uh, Convicted killer okayed for Washington retail pot license. (laughs) Story out of Seattle here. A report about a convicted murderer being granted a license to open a marijuana shop in Washington has prompted a double take by state officials. The Washington Liquor and Cannabis Board selected Green Grotto LLC to open a marijuana store in the Seattle suburb of Issaquah. As first reported by the Issaquah Press, the company is run by George Garrett, who pleaded guilty to second-degree murder for killing his wife and dumping her body in Hood Canal in 1993. He was sentenced to 13 years in prison. Board spokesman Brian Smith says Garrett disclosed the conviction on his application for a marijuana retail license. Under the board's rules, the felony did not automatically disqualify him because it was more than 10 years old. Smith says the case raised a, raised a flag and that the board will be discussing whether further action is warranted. Well, I'm betting he won't get the license now that the stories come out, but uh, it doesn't. Oh, it, it's an interesting point here. It's like. Um, Does killing someone disqualify you for selling marijuana? (laughs) Well, folks, uh, I am not going to rule on that yet, but I am going to rule on this. Guy got 13 years for killing his wife and dumping her body, and he gets a marijuana retail license. But someone like Jeff Mazansky or Robert Platshorn, who each served more than 20 years in prison for weed, can't get a license... How, how's that work again? Sorry, uh, thinking out loud. That's all the time I got for today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back live from Portland tomorrow. Make sure you join us at 3 p.m. Pacific time on CannabisRadio.com. For everyone here, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes.